Here we go. June 18th, episode 91 of The Hezzy, brought to you by basketballgods.net. Running a little late, y'all. You can probably hear it in my voice. Had a late night. It's all good, though. It's all good. Wake up this morning to the news. Boston Celtics send all-star point guard Kemba Walker. The 16th pick in this year's draft, a 2025 second-round pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder for their former player, Al Horford, and young Moses Brown. I think it's a pretty fair trade, to be honest with you. Look, you've got Kemba and Al, both damaged goods at this point, both with two huge years left on their deals. Now, Al is way older, right? But Al is also a big man with an old man's game anyway. Right. So you could you could argue that Al is going to be more effective the next two seasons. He very well could be. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Moses Brown who actually ends up having bigger impact and role for the Celtics. Most of you probably haven't seen him. He got a good amount of experience for this tanking Thunder team this year. He is a super big body with touch. I think he goes like seven two, And then he had he's skilled. Right. He's he got a little WNBA vibe to him. But a lot of potential, man. I like Moses Brown. I think that that was a sneaky part of that trade. Maybe not worth the 16th pick, but certainly would be worth a late first round pick in this year's draft. But uh, I don't know. I, I get, I'm assuming they had to attach the 16th pick to send Kemba out. It's crazy how quickly things change. The optics, the narratives, the value of a star player, right? They had to attach their first round pick to just move off of Kemba for a damn near 40-year-old Al Horford. So that's Brad Stevens' first move as president of this Celtics organization. I don't think that there was any uh, shade between him and Kemba. He, you know, he they they remained professional through through this trade and what they said. I think that I think it was just a, a business move. You know what though, the player empowerment era, it looks like it's getting a little bit out of control. First, it was all the Luca stuff to begin this week. Now you're hearing about the Zion stuff, right? And reportedly how unhappy he is. Here's what the news broke down to now. Apparently, remember when J.J. Redick felt betrayed by David Griffin in the Pels? He was told he was not going to be traded. It was a family thing, right? All right, well, if, if we trade you, it'll be to the New York area. Philadelphia, Brooklyn, New York, whatever. I think it was the last day of the trade deadline. Um, they send him to Dallas, right? And so J.J. goes on his pod and basically shits all over David Griffin. And he's like, you're never going to get a straight answer from dude. He, he's a liar. Basically called him a liar, right? Well, J.J. Reddick so happened to be Zion's vet. Okay? So Zion peeped. But then, again, let's just look at what David Griffin has done since Zion has been there. He hires Stan Van Gundy. Oop, that was a mistake, right? Got to get him out of there. They sign Steven Adams, who clogs up the paint for Zion. Oh, wait, Steven Adams is on the trade block, right? They trade Drew Holiday away for Eric Bledsoe. Oh, Eric Bledsoe is on the trade block now again, right? And then he lies to his vet and J.J. Redick. So yeah, Zion's unhappy in New Orleans. But it's really getting to the point now where you're seeing Luca, Zion, these young guys in year two, three, already make these power plays with their organizations. It's going to come to the point where it's going to be the Kobe treatment, right? And what I mean by that is, remember, Kobe refused to go to the Charlotte Hornets on draft night. He forced his way to the Lakers. You see it in football more with some of these quarterbacks, right? But I think that that's what we're going to start to see is guys aren't even going to go to some of these organizations out the gate. 
the power of the players is so strong now. Again, I think they're going to start to dictate even where they're being drafted. And so the writing's on the wall. Zion is going to force his way to New York one way or another, right? And let me ask you this. Outside of New Orleans, why would anybody want to try to stop that? If you're Adam Silver, if you're any if you're any part of the NBA, why would you try? I mean, maybe if you're the Knicks rivals, right? If you're the Celtics or, you know, the, the Nets or something like that. But I mean, it's good for all parties involved outside of the Pelicans. And so it seems like that's what's going to happen. Let's go back to this Mavericks thing, because apparently what's happening is this gambling cat has been pulling the strings behind the scene. Donnie Nelson was let go because he thought, dude, was had too much control and too much say over the roster. Reportedly, he's like drawing up starting lineups. Luca had even confronted Carlisle, like, are you in charge? Who's in charge here? Like, what, what, are you coaching? Are you being told what to do? That type of stuff, right? So Carlisle's out, Donnie Nelson's out, the gambler dude and his analytics and whatever type of betting, I don't know what he's doing, right? Is still there. So I don't know what's going on. Obviously, Luca hasn't signed that extension yet. Mark Cuban, we know, is he's progressive, right? And it just seems like he can't help himself. It sounds like he's trying to be too innovative with this dude. That's fine to lean on some of that, those numbers and have him as a consultant. But when he is the strongest voice in the room, I think you have a problem. And that sounds like what's going on here. It almost makes me feel like, did, did Mark lose some sort of giant bet to this cat? And now all of a sudden he's, he's running the show, man, because again, Mark, Remember when they won that championship and instead of bringing everybody back, he blew it up and everybody was like, oh, that was bold, right? And it backfired in his face and he's a risk taker and that's fine. I commend that. But you know, the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mark doesn't go by that, right? He's always trying to push the limits of things and therefore the tampering, sometimes he over tampers with his own organization. And I think Luca doesn't like what's going on. So I think that, I think the smoke is real when it comes to this, obviously, with all these departures of these longtime Mavericks, these staples within the organization. If if you're a Mavericks fan, you got to be nervous, man. Mark's got to chill here. Did you see Devin Booker getting tickets to the Sons and Four Bro? For those of you that don't know who Sons and Four Bro is, there was footage at the Suns Nuggets game. I believe it was game four. <laughs> and uh, this Nugget fan sucker punched a Sun fan. And he had the upper edge on him. He was above him in the seating. And the Suns fan hemmed him up like a hockey player and just delivered a couple uppercuts, told him Suns in four, told him he was going to fuck his boy up. It was epic. It, you know what it looked like? It looked like a scene out of an Adam Sandler movie. It was hilarious. Book's going to have him courtside for whenever these Western Conference finals start. And what I'm looking forward to, when they put the cameras on him in the arena, He's going to get a pop from the crowd like he's fucking stone cold 99, right? It's going to be, it's going to be live, man. Let's get to this game last night, Nets and Bucks. I've got some real detailed schematical stuff, some, some coachy stuff here, some trainer stuff here for y'all. Um, Giannis didn't take a three last night. My question is, why did it take an elimination game for him to stop? Now you want to play this way? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it to me. But I want to give him his props because he played the way he needed to last night, right? He was decisive and straight to the cup, the way he should have played. My guy Christopher, longtime patron, he asked me, how would I help Giannis or Ben at the free throw line, 
right? This is kind of becoming a, a, a subject of these Eastern Conference playoffs. So when any trainer starts to talk free throws with you, it, you know, everybody will say it's mental, right? And then so how you deal with the mental is you have to form a routine, right? Because a routine is a physical anchor that allows you to get into essentially quiet the monkey mind right? Because you don't want to be thinking up there. And so that's where the routine comes in. It anchors you and it gets you out of your head and into your body. But here's the thing with routines. They have to be sustainable. They have to be repeatable when it comes to free throws to the T. Like it has to be the exact same. And the longer the routine is, the more room there is for it to be broken. And so when you see Giannis go up there and take six dribbles, that's crazy. That's nuts. Whoever is allowing that, it's nuts. And it just lets you know how much of it's in his head that he feels the need to take six dribbles. And then once the announcer said that last night, me and my daughter were counting. Sometimes he took five. And therein lies the problem. Sometimes it was four, right? When you when the longer it is now, you may not stick to the routine. So make it short and simple. If I was working with Giannis, I would have him take one deep breath and two dribbles. From a technique standpoint, I would change his hand placement. I know the bigs, and part of the thing with the bigs is the hands on the ball and and getting the proper rotation. For me, what I see a lot of the time is he loads his wrist late. And so I would try to place his hands where his wrist was already loaded and try to take that moving part out of the shot because sometimes you see him at the end of it, the wrist gets involved. It's not all fluid. Now for Ben... It'd probably be easier to just tear it all down, right? And start start all over with the right hand. That's what I'd do with him. And what I would do is I would make him shoot it one-handed. I'd have him take the guide hand off, which would be his left hand now, early. And so it would make it would make sure he's only using the right hand and it would force him to straighten that elbow out. What do I know? I'm just watching from my couch. But yeah, that's what I would do um, as far as those two go. Shorten the routines and shorten the stroke pause but anyway back into this game watching James Harden for a second and I was like yo is is this going to be like some sort of epic beard performance because it was really remarkable what he was doing out there the (laughs) I mean he couldn't he did you know the deception like if you think about it there was no way he was really getting downhill and driving on you but yet he was still dancing on these fools and so if you're a smart defender if you're a smart defender, you'd realize like, yo, he's just hesitating to, he's not going to go anywhere. You, you just got to stay down in front of him. But he still was manipulating the Bucks' defense. And it's just a testament to how, you know, how slick he is and how, how skilled he is. But to me, I had tweeted out like, I, I thought the Bucks let him live out there on defense. I thought they let him live because to me, I would have hunted the switch over and over again and got him up out of there. I think that they could have done that. Now, maybe that's not sportsmanlike in today's world, in 2021. I would have hunted the switch on him every time and just went at him and tested and made him move laterally. Why they didn't do that, I don't know. Probably because Bud's a dweeb. Watching Drew Holiday struggle. I told you I'm in my coachy coach shit today. What I'm seeing from Drew is he's shooting too many hop back threes, not step back threes. A hop back three, to me, those are harder shots. So Drew Holiday's a right-handed shooter, right? This is generally speaking. A step back for a right-handed player is you push off that inside right foot, you land on the left, and then you tap the right foot back 
to a squared up position for your shot. It's rhythmic. Bink, bink, bink. Now, obviously, there are different variations of it that Tatum has the sidestep, but it, you're doing it on one foot. It's bink, bink. You're, you're shifting your weight from one foot to the other, and that's what gives you your rhythm and change of direction, right? Where Drew, if you watch him, he's power hopping back with two feet and landing on two feet, which to me is a shot that you really take when you're in the paint or near the paint or in an emergency. If you're moving at a certain pace, if you're coming off a screen super fast or whatever, and you have you have to kind of load off two to, to get your balance and, and come to a stop. But Drew's like choosing to do this rhythmically. And I think it's much harder to catch a rhythm, but to each their own. Obviously, he's comfortable doing it. But if again, if I was on that staff, that's what I would point out to him. I would be like, dude, stop taking those hop threes. They're more difficult from that range. In the paint, fine. But I guess we got to give Chris Middleton some love. You know, he probably doesn't get the props he deserves because he's such an ugly ass nigga. But such is life, right? It ain't my fault he play in Milwaukee and look like that. But I mean, 38, 10, 5, and 5 in an elimination game. Those are max player numbers. My hat's off to him. And, and you know what? Like, if you notice, with all the failures in these last few seasons from the Bucks in the playoffs, you can't really go at Middleton. He's kind of been there. He's done what he's needed to do. Like, he's had some bad performances, right? But ultimately, in elimination games, in the big games, in the game five, six, and sevens, he shows up. You can't really put any of this on Chris Middleton. Like, he's done his job. He's lived up to what he needs to do, in my opinion. Now they need Drew to, right? Now they need Drew to. As far as the Nets go in this thing, you almost wish they didn't hang around as long as they did. Right, because Nash didn't really pull the plug until the four-minute mark of the fourth quarter. By then, Durant and Harden had already played 40 minutes. And then you look, game seven is Saturday. I thought maybe they would push it to Sunday, you know, Sunday ABC noon or something. No, 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 no. Game seven is Saturday. So, you know, again, if it was on Sunday, I think I would I would really favor the Nets. But at this point, I don't know with that turnaround and, and those minutes logged. I think I think we're in for an epic game seven, though. That's all we can ask for, so. Did you see the all-rookie teams were announced? First team, LaMelo Ball, Sadiq Bey, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, and Jayshon Tate. Do y'all know who Jayshon Tate plays for? The Houston Rockets, the G League Rockets. No, man, like, he, he was a good story. Jayshon Tate, he's a rugged defender. But, I mean, he was simply out there by by default, right? Like, he just played hella minutes because they had no one else to play. And so, for him to get first team, I don't know, man. This this list was suspect. I'd have put Desmond Bain on, on first team over him. He was on a, on a Memphis Grizzlies team that made the playoffs and was a huge contributor. Isaac Okoro, oh, no, man. Quickly, definitely had a bid... For the first team here. So let me read the second team. I'm, I'm slipping here. Second team is Desmond Bain, Isaac Okoro, Emmanuel Quickly, Isaiah Stewart, and Patrick Williams. Emmanuel Quickly, I got no problem with. You could argue he he should take Jay Sean Tate's spot on the first team as well as Desmond Bain. Fine. Um, Isaiah Stewart, again, he played a lot of minutes in Detroit. Every time I saw him playing, someone was resting their nuts on his forehead. Every time I saw Isaiah Stewart, he was getting blammed on. But maybe maybe I just tuned in at the wrong time. 
Patrick Williams had a quiet, sneaky year. That's fine. But it was funny to see on Twitter, every fan base kind of feel like they were snubbed. I, I seen a Suns fan talking about, where Jalen Smith? Raptor fans, Ma- Malachi Flynn. Like, what? What? It, it, it just, we all do it. We all do it, right? Because we're so honed in on our own team. We've seen every like good little play glimpse of potential from our rookies. And so we're like, oh, no, you won't know, man. My guy's nice. My, my guy's nice. But there's only 10 spots. But I, I, I thought that list looked kind of suspect, if you ask me. So today, you got two game six, Sixers, Hawks, Utah, Clippers. Feels like we're going to just be in line here for three game sevens, doesn't it? It's, it? It really does. Patrons, I will try to get all of the game sevens that we do have out in breakdowns. Hopefully, they're not just stacked right on top of each other, but I'll, I'll at least get one or two of them. But if there's three, I don't know if I can do three. I'm looking here at the ESPN ticker. It says, Dirk will advise the Mavs and help with coach and GM search. Oh, help with the search? Shit, they need to put Dirk in there. Hey, Luca, Luca got his bags packed, baby. Mark, you did too much. All right, y'all. You enjoy the weekend. This is the Hezzy. Brought to you by basketballgods.net. I'm out, y'all.